Hey everyone and welcome to the Atomic Cinema Experiment, the Ace. I am Peter and joining me as always is easily the co-host on Mailfuzz TV with the biggest personality is Tara. Great, now I have to live up to that. Greetings, citizens. <laughs> I was, I, I was, I was going to go with biggest temper. I thought, no, that's a bit mean. I don't know why I'm saying biggest temper. She's giving me no reason to say she's an angry person. <laughs> I'll, I'll go with something nicer. Um, <laughs> I'm not an angry person as I grip my teeth and look red in my fist. All right. We are a science fiction movie podcast. Every week we get together, we talk about a science fiction film. And this week, we actually altered the schedule a little bit because we realized that we'd kind of hit a very prominent time in the calendar because we hit November 2019. And why is November 2019 special? November 2019 is special because that is the month in which Blade Runner is set. And that's pretty cool. It's a shame we weren't in existence back in 2015 when we hit the Back to the Future 2 date because that would have been a great excuse to do those. But hey-ho, we're here now. We can do Blade Runner and we're going to talk about, we'll start spoiler-free as we always do. We'll give you a warning somewhere in the middle before we go into spoilers and we're going to get into it. So this is Ridley Scott's film from 1982. It is a cyberpunk story set in a futuristic Los Angeles. In fact, the aforementioned 2019 <laughs> November. Uh, clearly, of course, they were thinking things were maybe a little bit different by then. We'd have flying cars and all sorts. Um, we'll have a little discussion about that, actually, just how different 2019 in this movie is versus 2019 in, in the real world. But um, I mean, we'll have to talk about something. <laughs> What else is there to talk about in Blade Runner? Boring. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> are you kidding? I'm not sure if you are kidding. That's, I mean, <laughs> I know your opinion on Blade There's Runner. There's a lot of meat in the film. There's a lot of meat, yes. Yeah. Yes. Vegan um, meat. Vegan meat. <laughs> it's a... A noodle heavy film. Noodle heavy film, yes. Definitely. I believe if you watch the making of documentary, the big giant one that's on the second disc of the the set, um, like at one point it's it's talking about how Ridley Scott was taking a long time to film stuff. And there's that shot right at the start of the movie where Harrison Ford's getting like a bowl of noodles and there's a close up of the the plate of noodles like, you know, being put on the counter. Like if you're watching the making of the country, they're complaining that Ridley Scott would like too many takes. And as they're explaining this, it shows you like 45 takes <laughs> of that bowl of noodles hitting the counter. And I'm like, these all look the exact same. <laughs> Mr. Perfectionist. I know. I know. Uh, so hell, I, I, I have made some shooting films. I remember people getting annoyed at me after take three. Like, wasn't that fine? Like, like we'll do one more for safety. Okay. Just one more. <laughs> I know. I often get frustrated by how many times we have to do these reviews before you're satisfied. <laughs> yeah, this is take 17 for the record. Uh, so, <laughs> yes, the film is about replicants, which are, you know, Blade Runner's version of androids or artificial life or, or whatever you want to call them. And they are illegal on Earth. They, they, they're in the off-world colonies, um, as we hear about throughout the film. And Blade Runners are basically specialized cops who hunt down replicants who are who are on earth and uh, basically assassinate them and that is what they do there's a, a group of rogue replicants on earth and deckard played by harrison ford is brought back into the fold to to go hunting them after after they already killed the previous blade runner because because harrison ford's supposed to be retired but he he gets pulled back out of the force one more time as is always the case 
and we have a neo-noir cyberpunk science fiction extravaganza uh, that is beloved by many is one of the most prolific science fiction films of all time people have written books about it uh, obviously famously did not do so well financially or critically when it was released but has gained a massive cult following since to the point where it got a big sequel uh, just two years ago uh, i'm sure we'll get to that as well uh, in the near future but with all that said tara <laughs> what do you think of blade runner <laughs> It's a little dull. <laughs> Choosing your words very carefully there. I noticed just a, a moment of hesitation where you're like, hmm, I'll phrase this diplomatically. I think right off the bat, I could say that the world is a, a spectacle and it is truly like beautiful and gross and engaging. Like I like all the world building in this film a lot. And I think it sets, you know, it's cyberpunk. It might be like one of the first cyberpunk, or at least what we know, what we expect from cyberpunk now. Mm-hmm. Like the video game that's coming out looks like it's set in Blade Runner. Yeah. And um, and I really truly love the way the movie looks. Um, as far as a story goes, it's a little. It's either boring or, like, I don't care about the characters very much. Uh, I actually don't really like Decker. Um, the only person I kind of like is used as, like, a just a punching bag. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't really think it's a masterpiece just on it looks alone, unfortunately. But uh, there's a lot in there that's good. Um, I feel very similar about another, another, I said it wrong, but another Ridley Scott movie, which is Prometheus, which Mm. is, I really like everything I'm looking at, but for some reason I am so bored (laughs) while watching it. And I, I know I'm supposed to be rooting for these people, but I just, I don't care if they succeed or live. (laughs) Yeah. I'm, Here's the thing. So p- people who are longtime fans of Mailflus TV content won't actually be surprised to hear how I feel because me and Connor actually talked about Blade Runner a couple of years ago. I think just before 2049 came. This is the f- this is the first time on the Ace mm-hmm. we're actually doing something that we already did on 121 at some point, and that'll happen occasionally because there's some sci-fi movies that we have to do. I I also rewatched the film before the sequel came out, and I think it really <laughs> says a lot about the movie that the director couldn't even stick to his original film. Like he had to come out with multiple different versions of it. I don't think he's confident in the film as well. I think people who really love this movie, Mm. um, see something that's not there. I will, I'll stick up for something you just said there a second ago, just in the sense that, um, the first cut of the film was, I I wouldn't say it wasn't, he was not confident in it. It was uh, more that it was, taken from him and they added a lot of things he didn't like so is i mean if you want to complain that you know he went to the final cut after the director's cut sure he's tinkered with it again there but um i don't think him doing the director's cut after the theatrical cut is actually anything other than just wanting to fix what the studio forced upon it which was the sappy happy ending and the uh the narration which you know even harrison ford hated and if you listen to that that theatrical cuts you know audio he sounds bored as he's like 
narrating because he thinks it's pointless he sounds and like stupid. Current day Harrison Ford. Yeah, he's, he's he's just describing things that you get from the movie anyway. It's it's really really bad. Um, we both watched the final cut for for this the uh, review. Yeah, that's yeah, what I watched. That's, that's correct. <laughs> I, was just, I was just waiting for you to confirm it just in case you're late. Yeah. Oh no, I watched the it word print cut. cut or something. Um, but no, I, so I, I'm so i actually in a very similar boat. I, I think it looks and sounds amazing. I think on a technical level, this movie, if, if, the, if the story of this movie and the characters of this movie lived up to how it looked, this might be in my top five of all time. It might actually sure. be in ridiculous highs there's, there's a there's a monologue from the end of the movie which we'll get to in spoilers but it's one of the most famous monologues in movie history and if the rest of the movie was up to the standard of that monologue if that monologue if the movie that monologue belongs in was this movie <laughs> this movie would probably be a 10 out of 10 masterpiece that would, would you know would be up there with with some of the best things because you know ridley scott's done it alien is one of the best science fiction movies of all time mm-hmm. it's up there it's wonderful. Can you imagine like being around when Alien came out and seeing that in theaters and going, this is a masterpiece and the director, his next film is going to be another science fiction film. Like, <laughs> Sign me up and sitting there and watching it and going, oh no. <laughs> I think I just uh described how my dad felt <laughs> um on the upside alien though, is his like favorite movie of all time and then going to see blade runner like he never showed that to us as kids on the upside that. though on the upside though if you saw alien and then you saw terminator and uh, you love terminator as well and you were sort of looking forward to aliens as both the second james cameron movie but also the next alien movie aliens might be the biggest like payday as a movie fan <laughs> anyone's ever had so there was good things to be had in the 80s let's that's, that's not let's not say otherwise because fine decade for for the motion I picture i would never say otherwise yes um <laughs> we are both products of the 80s therefore 80s is clearly the best decade uh, they don't need to know that <laughs> what we want to pretend we're both born in the 90s we're both oh we're, we're... just we can admit it entirely you know, I've had professors in school that I never knew what their first name was, and I respect them the most. So, <laughs> we should just be these, this omnipresent voice <laughs> yeah. from up above on your television screen or a cell phone or podcast. <laughs> yeah, guys, I'm sorry. I've been I've been making all these jokes over the past like thirty episodes about Tara being older than me. That's actually a bullfaced lie. Tara's actually nineteen, and. You know, I, I'm sorry that I've I've implied otherwise. <laughs> she was born in the year 2000. <laughs> oh my god, people who were born in 2000 are 19 now. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> that to be 20. <laughs> oh, that hurts. That hurts my soul. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Little shits. Anyway, um... We so Blade Runner, I think, is a wonderful looking film. It's a wonderful sounding film. The music by Vangelis, if I'm saying that right, uh, are, are very very good uh the visuals the miniatures of the city what are you shaking your head at i don't really like the music well, i really don't well, like that's fair but i thought that a lot of the scenes were confusing the music choice i i like the idea of it being very because the world like the the world that we see that decker lives in and is always in is like this very futuristic culture clash where everything is like every everything like you get a 
you see like every bit of the world in one place and the music kind of reflects that and sometimes it goes into noir but there are some really key scenes here where the music's telling you you're watching one thing and you're not you're watching something else and i don't care for that um i mean i, I mean i agree on those specific scenes but like I, I think generally the music sounds really good like i think it you know, for all the big moments, it's fantastic. You know, the opening, for example, like the opening five ten minutes of this are great. <laughs> it's it's during, during the movie goes goes south, right? I think for us, I'm going to assume you kind of feel similar to me here. Is see when it actually like the investigation starts after Deckard's been like, you know, brought on board. As soon as he's actually looking into the replicants and checking crime scenes and looking at crime photos, oh my god, the photos, um, like. <laughs> Then it becomes a slog. It becomes a sleep-inducing, like, the journey. The last half is really tough to get through until you get to, like, the very, like, the last maybe 15, 20 minutes of the film. But The, the, the final fight's good. The final fight is just the a good... The final fight's good. Yeah. yeah. And the, I like the way it ends in this version of the film. But the there is a good, like, 45 minutes where I'm just, like... Uh, what's going on on my phone right now? Yeah. Check my emails. <laughs> the, 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 yeah, the, the one thing I remember saying the last time I talked about this is that the biggest problem with this film is that the actual investigation, the case, the actual job he's doing is the most boring, dull, uninteresting, like, you know, mess of scenes ever. Like, he's just doing really mundane things that, that isn't interesting to watch. It's not engaging. It's just not... You know, it's just him talking to people, yeah. and he, he mumbles. And I love Harrison Ford, but he he spends a lot of this movie mumbling, and it's not. You know, it's it's hard to really get engaged with the character on, on a level. Yeah. It, I just, and it's not that I want it to be an action movie. It can be a slow moody film. Like I love lots of slow moody films. I like noir. I just this 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 the way this is written just isn't that interesting uh, to me. Um, and like you say, you have the problem as well of maybe not necessarily caring about him all that much. Um, I'll tell you the other thing I don't like in this movie: the romance between Deckard and uh, what's her face? I've forgotten her name already. <laughs> One second, oh. Rachel. Uh, Rachel, <laughs> I can't believe I forgot. Rachel. Really just watched it. <laughs> Rachel. I'm, I'm doing. I'm doing Christian Bale, Batman. Um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> I couldn't place it. <laughs> I remember John Hammond saying Rachel. <laughs> it's the what? only voice I hear. <laughs> <laughs> Run from the T Rex! <laughs> Do it now! <laughs> I don't know. I was an Arnold Lady in a Scottish accent. Maybe that'll, maybe that'll be entertaining. <laughs> we shall see. Give me your... Maybe it's uh, the next Patreon pay- tier. <laughs> <laughs> Give me your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. No, we <laughs> could definitely not make a, an episode around that. <laughs> <laughs> oh, anyway, what was I saying? What was I saying? Rachel, yes, the romance, love interest. Uh, they have zero chemistry. I don't care about the romance whatsoever. Um, it's force-fed down our throats. Uh, I, like... There's nothing here. It's, 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 it's dead, Jim. She can't take it. Yeah. Plus, it's a, I mean, we'll go into it in spoilers, but it's a little, I want to say problematic. It's not that this type of romance should not be in, in film, like if it's important to the story, but if you want me to like 
Decker, uh, he really makes a difficult case I with the romance. Scene. I'm going to correct correct this now before this goes too far. His name is Deckard. There's a D at the end. <laughs> oh, thank you. <laughs> Deckard. This is a uh, uh, Rod... like Deckard Kane from Diablo Three. <laughs> yeah. This is Rod Sterling all over again. <laughs> Whatever he mumbles, I can be forgiven. <laughs> oh dear, um, yeah. You keep saying Decker, and I keep thinking of Black and Decker, the you know the the drills and you know. <laughs> well, I'm glad you corrected tools. me because people would be very upset. Yes, there would. Yeah, there would be comments. So I'm doing it now, fairly early on. So <laughs> yes. So everybody, delete the comment that you already read. <laughs> yes, yes. Delete it right now. So he. Like the romance just is it's basically made up of like two or three scenes. There's not a lot to it. And the the frustrating part of this movie is for me is that all of the IDs that it's playing with are like all things I love. This idea of oh, yeah. like, you know, like should replicants because the, the whole the whole motivation for the replicants is that they've been built with this four year lifespan. Like they they intentionally like give them a, a life expectancy of four years. They'll die basically just by default after four years because they realize that if they're alive too long they might learn too much and revolt because they'll become too self-aware and that's what's happened here with these these uh, replicants is they, they are self-aware they are fighting for themselves they're basically fighting to maybe try and extend their life and it's like as much as they're kind of villainous in how they go about things they're actually the sympathetic ones they're like no these they're right definitely <laughs> They are, they're intelligent I mean, they life. describe themselves as slaves. That's exactly what they are. Yeah. Um, can you imagine, like, being alive with God, your creator, like, on Earth with you that you can, like, know exists and can, like, go talk to if you wanted to? Like, mm. that's, you know, some big ideas that you can work with, too. And I, I think the movie does a fairly good job with that. Um, I could have used a little bit more just because I think it would have been... I just need something that's a little bit more interesting. <laughs> and, and he did more um, uh, Rutger Hauer. I feel like he's he's only in like three or four scenes. Yeah, he's not. He's definitely underused. He, he used to be like there throughout the whole movie. We, we need to see his entire journey. So it's in. Yeah, I, I'll just say I don't like Daryl Hannah. I think we have too much of her, and I don't care about her character at all. Yeah, press. Um, yeah, I'm not particularly fond of her either. Um, all those scenes like do nothing for me. And I also thought that, like, it would have been more interesting if she actually cared about Sebastian, who's like this, uh, you know, one of the, like, engineers they go to see, uh, who she kind of charms a little bit. Cause, and we, we know that that's part of her programming because she, it says she was, like, a seductress or something like that. She was she, like. She kind of comes off as, like, Harley Quinn in a way, where she's just a little bit mad and mm. it is, like, excited about killing and not really she doesn't seem to have the same goal as Rutger Hauer which is the whole reason they're there and yeah. I think that's just poor writing yes uh and yeah I don't really like Sean Young as Rachel again I think I think Harrison Ford has the benefit of me liking him in a lot of other movies so I kind of like don't I, I don't think of being mad at him as I'm watching this even though I do think he mumbles a lot in this but like those two are both so low energy that again the romance is just like like, both of them feel like they want nothing to do with each other, and yet the movie's telling me there, there's romance. <laughs> I, I really love the scene where she first enters. I, I think she's quite, like, 
bewitching in a way like the, her i love her her look and i think she does fit in like a in this world in this cyberpunk noir she is very much the the woman who comes to the private investigator to say like something's wrong and i need your help but the romance really really fails but i i do like rachel i just don't like what she's used for ultimately Again, for me, it comes back to the ideas about Rachel's fine, I, I, but I don't think I actually like the execution of almost anything she does in the movie. Um, you know, like her realization that she's a replicant, which I don't think is that much of a spoiler because we we know that like very We're not quickly. In spoilers yet, yeah, yeah. Um, but like the realization for her that she's a replicant isn't like I don't know. Like I feel I feel like it should be more. Like this should be a bigger moment in the movie where she is hit with this truth, and it's just such a a low key scene. Um, mm-hmm. the, I, I don't know. I mean, really, you can make the whole movie like around this plot, more yeah. so than the other stuff. Yeah, no, and I mean, her fighting for her survival. You know, you know, yeah, it and, could be, it could be, uh, you know, replica, replica, replicant hunter. You know, Blade Runner falls for replicant and the moral quandary that kind of like comes in with that. That that could be a whole movie on its own. Um, like the hunting of the other replicants could also just kind of be its own movie on its own. Yeah, you know, um, I, I, but there's so much time in this that's just wasted with, like, I mean, let's talk about let's talk about it. Kind of comes off as a like a waste of time after you watch it. Oh, <laughs> let's let's talk about the the photograph analysis scene because let's, if we're talking about wasting time, yeah, that, I mean, this is like a <clears throat> this is sort of a, a classic thing that people make fun of in the movie, right? in this movie oh yeah like i hear i it's it's not the fault of just this film this might be the earliest you know case of breaking the rules of optics and physics yeah but no but you said they made fun of it in this movie what do you mean by that no like uh, this film gets made fun of because of this oh sure yeah okay i know what you mean yeah um yeah no, you made it sound like they were, they were poking fun at it in the movie, and I'm like, I don't get that. I don't, I, it doesn't yeah. take itself dead seriously. Sometimes my brain like disconnects from my mouth, and <laughs> I still try to finish a thought. Yeah. So it makes me such a great host. <laughs> yeah. Hashtag still better than Connor. Um, so... <laughs> No, he sits there and he's got this photograph that they've collected from like a crime scene and he, he's doing the classic thing that, you know, now we associate this with CSI and like shows like that, um, yeah. where he just sits there and says, you know, but he but it's almost even more boring in this because he actually says like, uh, you know, vector, blah, 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 to number 45, 6, 7, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, enhance enhance and this scene is like five minutes long of him just zooming in on a photograph and eventually getting a crystal clear image of like you know this woman in the photo Mm -hmm. (sighs) that was like a pixel (laughs) that's not how pixels work it's so it's (laughs) right that's not how magnification works if you just have a photograph like maybe a digital photograph if this is some kind of future technology yeah if it's like it's not it's just a piece of paper with a picture on it so if it's like nine if it's like 90k resolution or something like that maybe i'll buy that you can go into it and get although they have flying cars although they're they're uh 
everything we see from their televisions or satellite signals are pretty messy. It's like pretty 16 ropey. bit. <laughs> yeah. So I, I will say this though, if, if, if this scene existing is what got me one of my favorite scenes in community, then I will give it a pass. The scene of which I'm referring to is where Pierce is trying to figure out what's going on behind some hedges that he's not been invited to. And it's, there's a secret trampoline, and that's what's going on. But the point is, is in this scene, he's got his other buddy, I think his name is Leonard, and it's these two old guys, because uh, Pierce is Chevy Chase, for the record, you know, old man Chevy Chase. And they've got a, they've got a drone, so they can fly it in and take photos, right? So they can so they can look at whatever's going on. And there's a shot of them, they're sitting at a computer, and like, enhance, enhance... Right enhance and then it cuts to the screen and all they've done is zoom in on the instructions to figure out how the drone works and they've just got the text like really really big and i don't right. know i love that joke <laughs> sure like well yeah that's just not how magnification works in a but if it did all telescopes would be like this size but they're not they have to be the size of buildings in order to be able to see deep into space because every time you magnify something it loses um quality and it loses uh it loses light mm. everything gets dimmer and dimmer so eventually you're going to get like zooming in on a photograph makes it worse <laughs> not clear it's uh it's pretty dumb yeah unless you have some kind of future programming although we do know in this universe that you can magnify something to the scale of i don't know beyond micro or macroscopic i don't know like it's because you have to be able to read digital codes on like cells even in this film so that's established so maybe we can get away with it but it it just comes off as bad yeah but the photograph in question is literally a photograph that you'd have developed at kodak like you know in the 80s yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's one of those right that um, is the issue yeah so yeah, not not quite buying it. Not quite buying it, but hey. Uh, so, yeah, in terms of spoiler-free stuff, like, the, the, the movie, I wish I loved this. I do. And I, I, want, I want this to be clear. I really want to make, make this clear. Is that the first time I watched this, it is one of the most disappointing movies of the past I've ever watched because it's on paper. I hear the name Blade Runner, that sounds good. Harrison Ford, Ridley Scott, uh, you know, science fiction, cyberpunk, like, I see the poster. A lot of people who I respect, like, have this really, really high on their list, and like, film critics that I respect. And I'm like, I should really check this out. But I had a very similar experience. And I've tried it more, and I've actually, I've, I've shot up once or twice, I think the second or third time I saw it, I actually kind of improved for me a little bit. And I think that was the first time I saw it on Blu-ray, and I, maybe it was just like the, the visuals of that yeah, resolution. Yeah, so beautiful. It was like, oh, yeah, maybe the this The world is, is, like, without yeah. a doubt, spectacular. This is, this is much better than I thought it was. And then when I watched it again before 2049, a couple of years ago, my opinion went back down, and I was like, you know what? I'm, I'm not into this. It's kind of dull. <laughs> yeah, you really have to try to, like, talk yourself into liking it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I, like, on paper... On paper, I should freaking love this, and it's just really sleeping. Same way about Prometheus. I mean, Prometheus. Scott just can do that sometimes with films. Just like all the ingredients are there, and I'll watch it, and I watch it a few times, thinking I should like this. Why don't I like this? And but it just 
It falls flat, man. Yeah, I don't. Flat. This is the thing though. I don't necessarily blame Ridley Scott for these 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 problems largely. But we know he can make masterpieces. No, right? but you like, can't. No, but, no, but what's the difference here? The difference is a and good. And he makes stuff. No, but here's like, the recently, thing. Recently, he made The Martian and then and Prometheus like just a few years apart. Yeah, but Tara, what and was the Martian's the... wonderful. No, but Tara, what was <laughs> the difference? You, you just said yourself, Prometheus looks good. Blade Runner looks good. They are well-directed movies. What is the difference? The difference is the script. If you hand Ridley Scott a good script, he goes away and makes you gold. Yeah. If you hand him the script for Prometheus, he goes away and makes Prometheus. <laughs> like, it's really that simple. It's, it's a good script... He's a good visual director. You give him a good script, he'll go away and make a good movie. This, this is not him. Like, maybe in some level, because, I mean, obviously he's not good at picking scripts, because if he was, then this wouldn't be an issue. But he doesn't write his own scripts, yeah. at least not normally. Um, you know, he's not a writer. He's a director, and that's it. So... Well, I mean, he has a lot to do with Blade Runner, though, with the script. Doesn't he? Because he has three different versions of the film. That, that doesn't, he's not a writer, though. He didn't write the script. No, I guess not. But like, he didn't write it. He didn't develop the plot. He did. He did not. He did not put the the you know what the the events were on paper. Like that wasn't him. Well, yeah, but when he makes the the film, the theatrical cut with which has all the additional narration and which he the didn't happy want ending in it. Which like he, that's not something that he would do. No, he he didn't want he any of that. Good. He was that okay. that was forcibly added in, which is why he was desperate to take it out the first chance he got. All right. I just um Well the script writer didn't even write the best scenes anyway, it was all improvised. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, true. That's true. But I mean, that's the key thing. I've said this for years about Ridley Scott is that if you give him a good script or even a simple script, like Alien's not necessarily a great script. Um, at least the original script wasn't. I think maybe some other writers cleaned it up. But um, Alien's just so simple. And you give, you give Ridley Scott a simple movie, he'll just go away and make it beautiful and it'll probably be amazing. Uh, but yeah. you, you give him a weaker script like Blade Runner or Prometheus... Um, I mean, the one thing or, he... uh, that Egyptian one with Christian Bale. Oh, God, I didn't see it, but yeah, it was probably terrible. I, I didn't see that. <laughs> I mean, maybe like maybe he had story input on Alien Covenant, but I mean that's not a sign of anything. I didn't uh, see it. Oh, I hate Prometheus so much. Well, you're going to. I didn't. I don't hate it. Like I didn't hate it right away, but I hate it more because I'm always like, really. You like that movie? And I always have to, like, re- I don't know. Tara, you're going to see Alien Covenant. I'm always just like, please convince me why. And then they, I can't, it doesn't work. And then I think it's because I'm always on the opposite end of people, with the exception of yourself, when it comes to that film, that I just hate it more because <laughs> I can't understand why people like it so much. Oh, you're done. Tara, you're going to see Alien Covenant at some point. <laughs> It's going to happen in the show. I said that somewhere in the middle of all that when I thought you'd done, but you just kept going. <laughs> you know how I do. What, what, what impresses me, though, I know there's a delay, but what impresses me is that you somehow just don't hear that I said anything at all at any point. <laughs> I just assumed it wasn't important. I just kept going. I don't hear you because I have to keep the volume low since I don't wear headphones. Uh-huh. Because it messes yes. with my hair. Yes, that beautiful, beautiful hair that you cannot alter and or blemish in any way shape or form 
Got to keep my image. Mm -hmm. So we will move on to spoilers then. Spoilers for Blade Runner. Before we start the spoiler section, though, Tara's going to tell you all about Patreon.com. Why, sure. If you like what we do um, and you want to get more of this, you can check out our Patreon page. It's patreon.com slash TV. And donating as low as a dollar per month gets you bonus episodes of The Ace. You can check out movies like the first Judge Dredd or Time Cop, the transfer series we're working through. Um, there's some other gems on there. Mm-hmm. And that's not just for the ace. You can get bonus episodes of Screams After Midnight. You get a bunch of our tangents that get cut for time <laughs> on there as well. Um, so, yeah, check it out. It's a ton of bonus features. It's yeah. always being updated. The recent episode of Meet the Robinsons uh, had 40 minutes of cut material that went on Patreon. So you know oh that was gold <laughs> it was a mixture of content it was we had a conversation about skyscrapers about coca-cola christmas adverts um there's a bit of hr giger in there if i <laughs> since we brought up alien already sometimes i think that peter leads us down a tangent just so he can put stuff on the bonus so no i i think i think you'll find that i lead us down a tangent in a movie like meet the robinsons where i've got nothing to say about the movie i think that's what you'll find <laughs> I like that movie. <laughs> I know. I know you did. But hey, we, we, we're here. So Blade Runner. And... It was legitimately a time travel film. For the whole family. <laughs> what do, as opposed to the illegitimate time travel films we've been watching? It was a legitimate one. Like, we should... It should be considered for our top 10 list one day. <laughs> so all right mr high horse peter (laughs) oh yeah look at high horse there you are again (laughs) oh dear all things considered that episode turned out all right actually (laughs) not the best film critique in the world but i think for us bickering it was pretty solid uh so for Blade Runner, spoilers then, uh, movie begins uh, with the shot, the famous shot of the eye, the, the fire on top of the, the buildings, the, the giant pyramid esque designs for the, the big buildings that are in the middle. I miss cigarettes. We should bring them back. I, I agree. What is, what is a cigarette? Define cigarette, please. <laughs> I only know it because of um, Warcraft. No, no. Yeah, yeah, it's Warcraft. When you play as the undead in Warcraft 3 and you have to build more ziggurats because they keep saying, build more ziggurats in order to get more undead creatures. But yeah, it's, it's, they're like pyramids. Okay. <laughs> the pyramid is design. <laughs> okay, okay. And we Did guess... you need me to explain it for your sake? Yes, because I don't know what a ziggurat was. Yeah, it's like a, like a tomb, but... You know, a fancy triangular shaped building. So the first real scene, the first real scene of the movie, is the first Blade Runner interrogating uh, Brian James's character, uh, Leon. Uh, we, we get this uh, this test to do to to you know check if they're a replicant, and he's very kind of like aggressive and you know doesn't really answer questions properly. Kind of 
you know, constantly like bickers in and chimes in with with like non answers and things like that. Um, and then of course, when as soon as like the the Blade Runner can see in the test that he's a replicant, you know, we we don't really know what he's seeing yet, but it's, he just looks worried, and then immediately Leon stands up and shoots him all the way through a wall. Yeah. <laughs> and I think this first scene is maybe a sign that like the set design on this movie are just going to do whatever they want so it looks cool they don't, they're not going to think about you know, the why too much like why is there a big fan so, right there it's just because because it looks cool <laughs> well, it looks very like film noir yeah it looks very from that time that's true it does have a very noir kind of feel to it this scene in particular yeah so interrogation also has a bit of alphaville in it which... a little bit of alphaville yeah the the interrogation scene of uh the computer i see it i love it i'm not gonna argue with you but that, that review is technically not went up yet you'll get that next week so find out what we think yes alphaville next week, next week. <laughs> Um, we recorded it already because we decided to slot Blade Runner in before it because we wanted to get Blade Runner out in November. <laughs> because that's the whole point. <laughs> it's November 2019, yeah. baby. Sorry if you're disappointed, but it'll be here next week. Same bad time, same bad channel. Yeah, yeah, man. I'm I just. I hope I'm positive on on a movie after Alphaville because I'm on a little streak here of movies that I'm like don't spoil what your review is it's critically acclaimed but meh this is meh well I don't remember oh I do remember what we're doing next yeah I think you'll be okay <laughs> oh, no, no, no. Yeah, next time I think we'll be fine yes um, <laughs> so we, we cut to Deckard we get, we get a nice big shot of the city we get the, uh, the advertisements you know uh you know, enjoy life in an off-world colony. You know, start a new life, all that stuff. Uh, the big Atari logo, Coca-Cola adverts in the sky. It's, it's basically just Shanghai. Uh, <laughs> you know, a few years before Shanghai looked like this. But we, we get interested in Deckard, uh, and he's basically roped in. Edward James Olmos, his small, small part gaff, uh, takes him in to to the captain, who's like, nah, I need you back. I need the Blade Runner, Deckard. And I need you. Yeah. Uh, he's I, a cop, but he's like super pimped out for some reason <laughs> mm. yeah isn't yeah because this this uh police station is actually a train station by the looks of it yeah maybe they're undercover <laughs> at the station i don't know <laughs> uh but we get the info dump here we get the you know here's the four replicants you're after here's like and it's, it's funny actually cause i remember a couple of years ago uh, people were celebrating the dates because it has all their birthdays on it, like when they were created, and it's like, you know, July something, 2016, so I remember like over 2016, 2017, there was a few days where people were saying, hey, it's this Blade Runner replicant's you know, birthday. <laughs> uh, that was a thing for a little while. Uh, it's just funny this though, because... has its fans. Yeah, but between this and like Back to the Future 2, we're, we're really hitting a time period now where a lot of the future dates and movies are starting to pop up. People really had high expectations for this year. They really did. For this, like, time. <laughs> yeah. We are very far behind. Yes. But I think for good reason. I mean, we'll be long dead by the time we get to Star Trek time, so we'll never know if that was uh, accurate. Oh. <laughs> But at least, at least you won't have the disappointment of it not living up to it. <laughs> we have to go through World War Three first. 
And That's right. I'm afraid we'll probably be around for that part <laughs> and not for the ultimate piece afterward. Although, if I recall, World War Three from the original series when they mentioned it was meant to be in the 90s, if I recall correctly. Uh, yes. Yes. So we've already passed it. We got, we got through the 90s without World War Three. Oh, a few. It wasn't that bad. Yeah. <laughs> That's just really... It's really funny to me that, like... For even from from the time I was born, like the time I was old enough to appreciate an episode of Star Trek, if yeah. I'd watched it as a kid, like it was already too late for that for that reference to the nineties having World War Three. <laughs> what was the nineties? Kuwait, I guess. That was our World War. Yeah, um... I mean, unless you lived there, it wasn't so bad. So, yes, where was I? Yeah, so so Deckard's, you know, goes to the crime scene. He gets the photographs. This is the the apartment in which uh, Leon was staying. Um, after that, we get Leon again, but we get him with uh, with uh, with Roy, with uh, Rutger Hauer's character, and they go to the guy who makes the eyeballs uh, for the replicants. Uh, and this is the thing: like their scenes basically amount to go to this guy. Uh, okay, we, we need to get to, to who, 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 who can extend our life. Who would know how to like reprogram us so that we can live for longer? It's like, well, it'd have to be the you know the boss Tyrell, like you know head of the company. It had to be him. And he's like, well, how can we get to him? Well, I can't get you to him, but maybe maybe this you know Sebastian can. Is like, okay? So he kills him uh, brutally, and that leads him to Sebastian, which they use press to kind of like sort of sweet talk their way in and. He gets him to to Tyrell later in the movie, and they have the big scene where he's like, "Yeah, I can't like make you live longer. Like nothing will save you. Like that's it." But hey, I like that burns twice as bright. You know, burns half as long. So, you know, you you had a good run, and you know, and I, I guess in a lot of ways that's what kind of makes Roy really dangerous. Is that by that point on, he knows he can't be saved. So it's like, well, he has nothing to lose. Like he he has nothing to. Yeah. hold back for uh, but yeah so Deckard meets Rachel uh, and Tyrell at the Tyrell building and gives her the test and this really plants the seed for the, the twist which is in this version of the film and is definitely the intention of Ridley Scott is that uh, she's a replicant who does not know she's a replicant and that her memories of childhood are all fake she's actually you know maybe few months old i don't know if it said specifically how old she is but um the memories are fake and this is important because that makes us go well if she doesn't know she's a replicant and she has fake memories then who else could possibly have fake memories and be a replicant i mean theoretically it could be anybody right it could be yeah, you you would you would never know. Um, I suppose you could argue in a way that it's almost too on the nose that the one main character we have like ends up being a replicant because that's kind of the way it goes. But do you think he's a replicant? Um, because in the final cut, it's not really answered. It's heavily implied that the whole point is with the unicorn dream. Um, is that. The reason why uh, Gaff knows, because he leaves my unicorn at the end, right? It's that's him saying, right, I, I like, know- I'm going to be hunting you, and this is your sign that you're a replicant too." But it's still kind of ambiguous. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's not. It's, it's, I mean, none of the cuts are like, "Hey, he's definitely a replicant." Ding, 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 ding. Like none of them yeah. are like that. And this this rolls over into the sequel quite a bit, where it's like, "Is we're going to see him again? Is he? Are we going to address this?" And I think that movie really smartly handles that 
question. Well, it very, it very intentionally didn't know because it was always like, there's always been two camps of people who are like, he's definitely a replicant or he's definitely not. So Well, that... yeah, I wasn't going to say whether or not yeah. what they say, but like, I think they smartly handle it. I don't think that yeah. they give an answer in a way, but I think that is a very cool way to do it. And, uh, and I think this, this, I mean, I know I've seen the Ridley Scott saying like, oh yeah, he's a replicant. But I think this movie still ends in a way where you can you can come to that conclusion if you want to, and if you want to argue that he's not, you can you can do that as well. Like I think there's enough there to well, make it ambiguous. This was uh, one of the main debates me and Connor had actually when we talked about it is what each outcome does for the movie because if he's not a replica, if he's a human being, then his arc is that he has learned. Uh, to accept replicants as his life because by the end he feels guilty and he's he's come to see yeah. them as living beings and that's his arc and for that him being human is important because if he's a replicant then that doesn't necessarily have the same kind of thing but if sure. he's a, if he's a replicant and this is a realization of who he is and that he has been used and his memories are fake and i mean i because i do kind of like the idea that when we first see him at the start of the movie um like he he's like he's barely old like when they bring him in and say hey you're uh you know we need you back we need the old blade runner that he's not the old blade runner he's literally just been been turned on because the other blade runner got killed like, like there's, there's like a, a fun idea there where it's like no he has actually just got this personality and it kind of explains why he's kind of a dull prick <laughs> why he and rachel have the same personality yes in a way <laughs> yes in, in a manner of speaking um you know it like so I, I think that there's merit to both. Um, um, I think the re- the reason why I would maybe like that he is a replicant is because the, the whole the whole thing is that everyone dies, and the the only thing different about a replicant is that you kind of have a rough idea of when. But yeah. this idea, if you just have to hope that you're going to outlive it, you're just going to have to hope that you have a good life with the, with the time you have. Like there's kind of a a kind of hopeful. Like acceptance to it at the end, you know that nod he gives as he scrunches the. We've skipped ahead to the end in here because you, Tati, said down this, this path. But um, he scrunches the. He scrunches the, the unicorn, and there's this sort of nodding look of understanding where he accepts, like, what this is, what this means, as he runs off to be with Rachel. Even though I don't buy that relationship at all, I don't care about them being together or being happy. Um. Yeah, it's a it's unusual and unhealthy relationship, but it it doesn't mean that there aren't relationships like this. Oh sure. I still, if you want me to like him, uh, it it makes a hard case. Yes, because he he you know she she comes over to his, um, multiple times. The first time is just when he kind of like proves that she's a replicant, and that, that upsets her dearly, and. Yeah, she brings a bunch of photo evidence to be like, look, I had a childhood, and then that's where he gets the photographs from, too. Yeah. Uh, and she comes back later, and this is after he's invited her for a drink, and she says no. But she ends up... It's after she saved him. Because she saves him from Leon. Because uh, he gets attacked. Because Leon's girlfriend, Snake Lady, gets put down by him. And and again, like his entire investigation is like... He... he looks at this photo he has a bit of a snake skin gets the snake skin analyzed goes to talk to some dude at a bar uh which is just a completely forgettable scene 
explaining where the, the snake person might be and then he goes to see the woman at the snake club or the snake club the club and her whole thing she's got a snake and like that's it he's found her and he chases her and shoots her like that's the whole thing and all of it's as riveting as I described it <laughs> yeah I mean we get some boobs um and then she runs away in barely an outfit like it's a transparent jacket <laughs> she puts on stripper boots um looks like a leather underpants and matching bra and I would, then, I would yeah, call a that transparent a bra. coat i would i would call that <laughs> i don't know i wouldn't call it a bra it, it looks more like a a halter like a, i don't know a cage <laughs> a cage for the boobs <laughs> yeah it looks uh medieval it looks like the most impractical thing ever it looks like it'd be falling off every two seconds right but i mean she's in this outfit she's basically nude and yes. we watch decker deckard gun her down while she's running away from behind and shattering through glass like we watch him murder a woman and then we get the love scene right after <laughs> it's completely inhumane it's a it's a very a cold thing which i get goes with his character arc is that he, the whole point is that he after this he has to drink he's not necessarily proud of what he does yeah he goes and gets a, some yeah. alcohol and he he seems to be shook up by him. yeah um, and that's when leon shows up and tries to kill him and it's rachel who saves him because she's been kind of watching the crime scene as well and mm-hmm. that's when they go back to his place and, and she does this amazing magic trick where she has this perfectly like this perfect hair that's like straight and smooth and it goes from that to being curly and 80s and big like how did she do that that's like her relaxed hair that's that's the future man i have no idea but he he gets up um they kiss she tries to leave and he slams the door shut stands between her and the door pushes her up against the other wall and keeps pushes kissing her, her into something that breaks like mm. he's violent it's a very aggressive uh love scene uh shall we say he he says like repeat after me like basically i need you to say this so that it sounds like it's consensual in a way mm. it's it's i guess i can kind of buy it like because he just murdered a woman or someone that maybe he's seen as a as a person because the optics of it is really bad like he just shot a woman who's naked in the back while running away and now he goes to a woman and he demands like love from her <laughs> so i mean it, it, i guess it's it's kind of like uh, like he's ordering her he's talking down to her so he's trying to like to be cold again but i mean he he loves her it's just it seems it's very unhealthy and it's kind of gross to watch um it doesn't it, it doesn't make me want to root for him or this love story not to mention the fact that the fall in the love after like two brief meetings or three meetings like like i don't know i well she's very young like she doesn't know what love is yet <laughs> yeah, but he says he's in love as well. I, I don't know. It's like you, you've you've barely spoken to each other. This is, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's an old movie trope that I thought was mostly done by the eighties, but this is clearly 
Yeah, I, I mean, I guess they don't really have much of a journey together or anything. Um, well, she's it's all based she on. She doesn't do anything after this love scene. She just waits around in his apartment as he goes and does the rest of the movie. Like she has nothing to do. She has yeah. no agency and no plot in the back, the, the third act of the movie. Yeah, I guess. I like her look. Bewitching is the word that I would use. I like her hair. I like it. I mean, I don't like it on me, but like, I like her look. Mm. <laughs> I like the big 80s shoulders that go on forever or like the big canvas thing like she she looks like she belongs in that world but that she's so high class in that world i like it yeah um she's so, a good contrast to what we see you know normally with like the transparent coat and i don't know dominatrix bra set what, what combo yeah yeah what a combo no, I um. This is the th- this is the weird thing about the movie is that after Roy goes to talk to Tyrell and we get this you know creator and creation conversation, um, we have basically because this is the thing he he Deckard hunted down Snake Lady, Leon came to him and immediately was taken care of, and then like he gets a call saying hey. Like Tyrell's been murdered, and there was this other murdered worker, a Sebastian dude. Check his apartment, and that's actually the okay. We're go- this is the end of the movie now. We're going off to Sebastian's apartment, where where he finds Pris and fights her. Um, first of all, and don't get me wrong, this all looks great. See when he's going up in this building, and it's all these light shafts coming in from outside, and it's like there's water dripping, and the atmosphere mm. during this section of the film is is absolutely phenomenal. Um, but we're already at the end. Like, there's there's actually very little plot when you really stop yeah. stop and really look at the movie. Um, and he kills. Not Pris. according to the time. <laughs> and then you you have Roy and you have him and the fight is quite good. You know when Roy's sticking his head through the bathroom wall and like yeah. it's just it feels like you know, Deckard is screwed. Um, yeah. But it, it, it's just I don't know. It's a it's a rough time and. It's a it's a rough time because I wish I cared more. He, don't get me wrong, Rutger Hauer's speech that he he gives, this monologue that he gives about how it's time to die and tears in the rain, all that stuff. That speech is phenomenal, and the delivery of it's phenomenal. And I wish the movie lived up to that speech because it doesn't. Doesn't belong in the movie. I don't think so. Because what he's saying is beautiful. What he's saying is that I've had a life, and just because you don't classify yeah, it as a about, life, yeah, like. The loss, I mean, it could be applied to, to anything. And it's it's kind of nice to see him give this speech as a replicant because you can apply it to all of us, all of humans, assuming that we're not replicants. Da, da, da. But, <laughs> <laughs> you know, like that—that that is the thing with death is that we, we cherish memory and that is something that is lost forever. That's like, interesting. I was wondering where I'd seen Tyrell from recently. He was in The Shining. Oh, which, yeah. I which, know where he is. Which I just did with uh, with Tim. So the I was Shining. Like, oh, did you already say it? I already said it, yeah. I was going to ask you if you rec- if you knew it was him because when I looked up him in... He's in Passive Glory. And when I looked him up, I was like, oh, that's the same guy as The Shining and who plays Tyrell? Like, I had yeah. no idea. I didn't make the connection. Because he's wearing these big like Coke bottle glasses. 
Man, he must have been really young in the Pass of Glory because that's like 30 years before this. Yeah, he's the one who gets uh, knocked out and has to be on like a, a gurney. I won't say too much because I don't want to spoil it. It's a yeah, great movie. Right. You guys should all watch it. It's Stanley Kubrick. Yeah. Yes, go watch the Stanley Kubrick movie. <laughs> Good life advice for everyone. So <laughs> watch a Kubrick film. Yeah. Um, yes. Pet a dog. So so Roy Roy dies and the dove. I mean, yeah, dove. all of a sudden becomes a John Woo movie. <laughs> yeah, the bird flies away. Um, and I like you know there's a lot of like intricacies here to like really consider here like you know the character of Gaff, you know Gaff like sort of giving him a head start and saying too bad she won't live but then again who does like that 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 part of it's kind of interesting like why why you know why does he want to give him a chance like does he does he see replicants alive and he doesn't want them to just die? I mean, did he always know that Deckard was a replicant? Since I mean, maybe. Maybe Gaff is human, and he knows that that this guy was just brought in to with all these fake memories to oh, hunt down replicants. I would think so. I, I would think that he knows, and it's an act of kindness that he tells Deckard at the end, um, kind of thing. Right. Or he gives him a hint at least. I I don't know. Maybe the idea is that like all, all these violent replicants from off world who come and like cause trouble like because they are all enslaved they always they're always angry they're always very you know aggressive or whatever maybe the idea here is that him and Rachel because they have these fake memories because they've they've been conditioned to a certain way of life they're not inclined to just go on a murdering rampage yeah and uh, we know oh, i don't want to say too much about the sequel but sure i mean there there's stuff in the sequel that you know implies that he's not a replicant too just yeah. because he's there uh, he lives beyond four years unless yeah. he's like an older model or something that didn't have the four-year timeline i don't know so we'll see oh to be fair they never <laughs> specify the four-year timeline like how is that every replicant is it just these types of replicant that are on this type just of... the nexus six you know, Which, by the way, was the same phone I had. I, I guess that was a nod to Blade Runner. <laughs> I had yeah. a phone that was the Nexus Six from oh. Huawei. Well, no, no, I don't even just mean like like the Nexus. Turns out China was listening to me the whole time. I don't even just mean like the <laughs> Nexus Six, though. I mean more like um, like because he's like a cop replicant. Like, does is he does he last longer uh, because he's designed oh, for Earth use or like? Well, you think he'd just be designed for the one job, though. And after that, they wouldn't want to risk him finding out. Uh, maybe. I don't know. I, I mean, we don't, we don't hear enough about the different types of replicants. Like, if they have lots of sleeper replicants who don't know their replicants, like, we have no idea what the, the, the rules are that are different for them compared to, you know, anyone else. Um, because I, I think the other scene that maybe plays well, if you think he is a replicant, is the scene where he meets Tyrell at the start and he's introduced to Rachel. The way that Tyrell's fascinated about the test and talking to him and, like... Like if he knows he's a replicant, the way he's the way he's asking all these questions and saying, "How about you try it on her?" and like all these things, that that almost feels like he knows if if he does know indeed, like you know. Well, I mean, he would because he would have to come from that factory. Yeah, um, but it adds maybe a bit of subtext there too, because because Tyrell has a really kind of weird attitude towards everything. He's fascinated, 
Um, and there is I one... love the scenes with him though, because I love his like his big room. It's so beautiful, like all those scenes. Yeah, no, he he's not bad. I, I love the contrast between that. Everything is so like bright and clear, clean looking, and then you get like the scum down at the bottom. <laughs> It just looks everything's wet and raining all the time. Uh, he's not bad. He he. Um, by contrast to the awful Jared Leto in the second one, um, he is he actually has a serves a purpose in this movie. Um, if anything, there should have been more. T- I mean, not actually more time spent in him. I actually don't think we need to see any more of him. But I think there should have been more time spent on Roy getting to him. Like there's, that should have been more of a. I just yeah, I would have liked more of Roy. Yeah. And I like the other henchman or the other replicant. Uh, the other guy that we get in the beginning, Leon. Just because he's he's got like a lot of character to him, I I liked him a lot. Yeah, Leon. Yeah, Leon. Yeah. Um, yeah, that's an actor who uh, pops up occasionally. He's in a uh, the, the House yeah. Three, the horror show, is the first thing I could think of. Uh, he's also in the Fifth Element in, that I know him from. Oh, he's Fifth a, Element. Yeah, yeah, he's definitely in Fifth Element. He's like the. I think he died pretty young too, right? Um. He died at age fifty four in nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, um, yeah. He was in the fifth element. He was like the uh, the guy who basically just he was on like comms. He always he told the president everything. He he kept kind of yeah. He was the guy in contact with Gary Oldman. Yes, kind of yes. Um, but yeah, he was yeah. He's in a bunch of stuff. Um, over over the years, uh, very distinct voice, very distinct face. So he always stuck yeah. out. Good face. Uh, whenever he did pop up. Yeah, so that's yeah, a shame. It's a shame he passed away so young. Um, yeah, but uh, must have been right after Fifth Element. Fifth Element was ninety-seven, so yeah, two years later. Mm. A shame. Yeah, sucks. Um, and of course we lost uh, Roger Howard just a couple months ago. I know, I know. Uh, so some of these, some of these, like I feel like maybe it's just because we're getting older now, so all of the people we grew up watching. Are at that age now where they're more likely to die but it does feel like in the last like five ten years like there's just been more and more of famous people who i care about who seem to be dying yeah well that one year was pretty rough was it 2017 that was just like just one it seemed almost daily um was that the year that bill paxton and uh john Hart both went back to back yeah Carrie Fisher and then Debbie Reynolds, like two days later, died of a broken heart. Oh my god, it's so sad. Hey, stop trying to destroy things. Tara's cat, as always, infecting the uh, the recording and the show. We should probably wrap it up. Mm. He's getting a little um, anxious. A little anxious, eh? Uh, I mean, we're getting there. I like. Yeah, I this movie is so frustrating to me. It's one of the most frustrating movies. I have ever watched because I want to love it. There's so many things about it that I, I I do love, and so many things that should mean that I would love the whole thing like as a package. It sh- it should work, but the script, and the characters, and the actual progression of what the 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 investigation is, the hunting of the the, the replicants, is so goddamn sleep inducing. That. I... Did Connor like it when you guys reviewed? Do you remember? Nah, nah, he was... No? Okay. So this is kind of been a repeat episode? Sorry, guys. <laughs> <laughs> kind of. Well, I, mean, people. <laughs> I, think it's, I think it's interesting, though. I feel like there is a lot of people who are on this side that do think it's a really dull movie. Um, I, I, 
Like I, you know, I think Tim yeah, kind of. Yeah, you don't want to call it that that because the the world is so interesting and beautiful. But like, I'm sorry, like it's just not enough. No, it's not. You need like better script. You you just do. Uh, it's such a shame. Yeah. Um, I. Yeah, I. You know, I like. It's, there's lots of design choices that I like. I mean, that's just going back to the look of the world, I guess. But, you know, I like the Sebastian's place has all these toys that he makes. You know, it's got, it's got a really distinct feeling yeah. to it. Yeah. And... Do you think they're all used for naughty stuff? <laughs> I mean, he's a lonely-looking guy, that's, that's to be honest. He, he literally says, I make friends. I make my yeah. friends. I mean... I He, he comes off a little pervy. <laughs> and the toys kind of have a perviness to them also mm. a little bit sure sure well yeah what, what we weren't seeing is that every single one of them had a fleshlight sort of uh, attachment <laughs> i was a little disturbed by that little guy's nose <laughs> <laughs> oh dear oh <sighs> This one's frustrating. Uh, yeah, yeah, we can read it. What, what do you want to? Eat? Yeah, it's not an easy one for me to rate because it it is a classic that I think science fiction fans should watch because it has a lot in it that you know it, it is like the one of the quintessential cyberpunk films, and it has a look that's amazing. And you should probably watch it just to see what side you're on. <laughs> but mm. i also expect to be disappointed you know the the best thing about the movie is that it gave us a, a truly great sequel i think um i'm looking forward to reviewing that one again because that was look at you spoiling uh, a, your uh a surprise your your blood Roar 2049 oh. thoughts whatever i love this movie <laughs> i love that movie i should say mm. and um yeah, I think I've brought it up before that I, I greatly enjoy that film. But I, uh, it's hard, it's hard one to rate because I, I, I kind of want to recommend it just so people can see it, like it. But it might just be like a waste of time. So <laughs> I'm gonna give it a four point five, which Whoa! is disappointing. I know, but. It's it's not it's not an easy watch. You went for the jugular with that score. I know. Whoa, I sorry. Yeah, I'm going with a six. I uh, I I think the the visuals, the the set designs, the music, all of the technical stuff, which admittedly does not necessarily make for a complete whole package that's worth watching, but I think all that stuff at least gets me up to to a six. Um, but it should be like at least a nine. <laughs> If the storytelling matched those visuals, I mean, I feel bad giving it that rating though. Like, I do. I just, if I'm gonna put it on, like, in my overall positive over the fifty percent or below it, like, it's just not, it's just not enough. Watch the sequel. What's interesting is that I, I don't remember what I gave it last time I talked about it with Connor, so I have no idea if that's the same score I gave or if I've went down or up. <laughs> I mean, I'm only off by like a one and a half points. I don't know. 4.5 to a six seems like a big leap. <laughs> I've watched, yeah. Well, I've watched this movie a few times and every time I'm just like, 
okay, it's going to be good this time. <laughs> it just isn't. Enhance. 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 Over, over four, then down three. Enhance. <laughs> I, I, I'm sort of, I'm, I'm more down on, on it than you are, I think, in, uh, in, in other basic elements too. Like I, I don't really care about for the, the score. Like maybe it's good, but it doesn't really. I don't, I don't think it fits the, the scenes that it's depicting, and. Uh, the only positive thing about the world is it's worth watching for the world alone. I I feel bad about giving it the score, but sorry, <laughs> I'm sticking Br- with it. Brutal, absolutely brutal. All right, well there you go. Uh, next time we already mentioned it earlier, but we'll just remind you here that next time we're doing Alphaville, the Jean Luc Godard film. So look forward to that. And the time after that is the Patreon vote winner uh, that's up next, which I won't say what it is yet, but we'll see it next time. Did we say what it was in Alphaville? We did, yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, we knew it'd be coming up after that, so so that's that. Um, And there will be a Mystery Science Theater returning uh, sometime in the near future. Um, uh, There was one Meet the Robinsons, we'll have another one soonish. So you can look forward to that. We Uh, actually did watch Mystery Science Theater, but... We did. On stream, it's on a live stream. I don't know if we're going to review that one. I mean, if we we're going to do it, we'd do it with this one, right? Nah. <laughs> so yeah, well, there you go. Then it's not happening. But we did watch uh, one on live stream. Well, I watched. I watched one on live stream. Tara just happened to be in the chat um, <laughs> during the live stream. Um, we did parts. parts. The Clonus. The Clonus horror. The Clonus horror. Yes, that was this. That was the one. Um, so you can find that live stream if you wish uh, to just see my live reactions to it if you want. Um, but that is uh, something we'll come back to soon. Um, do look out, uh, patrons, for the bonus episode for the month. Um, maybe... Yeah. No, it won't be up by the time this goes up on Patreon, but um, shouldn't hopefully be too much time after. Um, we, we'll, we'll get to recording that soon. So should be good fun. I'm excited. I'm excited <laughs> based on the movie's reputation. That's all I'm saying. Okay. I'm just excited. Uh, but that has been Blade Runner. <laughs> I don't Runner. know what to think. That has been Blade Runner. You can let us know what you think of the movie in the comments below. You can like and you can subscribe. And you can uh, ding the bell. Make sure you get notifications on YouTube. And Tara mentioned Patreon earlier. So make sure you go over and have a look and you get bonus stuff you get stuff you get producer credits and speaking of i will thank the producers that we have right now which is cindy palacios alison m fortis david short talking superman and tyler hess so thank you to them for being producers so that is uh oh that has been episode 30 something (laughs) i don't don't, don't know what number this is we record them in order this time as well so it's impossible to keep track uh, I, I won't know until I've published it and then it's like, okay, that's what number it is now. Uh, but that has uh, been the Atomic Cinema Experiment for Blade Runner in November of 2019. Without flying cars, you bastards. Uh, so, by all means... <laughs> Get on it, Musk. Thank you once again for watching or listening. We always appreciate it. Keep watching science fiction, guys. And computer, enhance... Yum, yum. <laughs> <laughs>